Hey Doc, okay Doc, can you can you look at my dog here and say it's a real grumpy one? Yeah, I can I can look at your doctor. Um, it says on your intake form that you're interested in getting your getting Deaf Eater screened for breeding. Yeah, no, can you just take a look at him? He's in, he's in my dog crate here. Ma'am, this you appear to have brought me a coyote. Yeah, no, it's a coyote. I just I want to I want to breed him with my dogs and make some some pugyotes, you know, they're in the little pugyotes running around with their just squinched up little faces. You want so you want to breed your ninety five pound coyote with your fifteen pound pug. No, I mean I can I can get the pugs weight class up if that's important. I can feed them a lot more fat, you know. D- don't don't do that, please. <laughs> a raw meat diet, you know, that kind of thing would be good for the puppies, don't you think? I... Uh, 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 um, uh, puppies actually can't digest meat until they're about four months old uh, if you feed them raw meat it, it could potentially give them gastrointestinal issues diarrhea it would just don't it, there's plenty of, of, of look jack i didn't come here to get all the rigmarole just tell me if there's something wrong with this coyote's dick you know is he shooting blanks do you think he could get a whole bunch of puppies going uh, the coyotes, the the male in this. Okay. Um. Well, that is uh not going to work at all. Um. Because your coyote grow grows to be close to a hundred pounds, and your pug tops out about twenty. Uh. So if if we were to impregnate Sophie. With, with with the coyote sperm, the the fetuses that would be produced by that would kill her. <laughs> Listen here, young man, this, this is America, and I don't need to take none of this from you whippersnappers. If you won't, if you won't uh, take take this coyote s- semen and put it in my in my pubs, then I'll just go to another vet who will. I tell you what, ma'am. You could go to another vet, and there may be one that would do this, but I just want to let you know, Sophie will explode from the inside if you do this. <laughs> how dare you, how dare you imply that Sophie has a weak womb? I am offended, and I bid you, good day, sir! Hey. I'm taking the pug, I'm taking the coyotes with me. Uh, uh, please do. Welcome to the show. We, we did actually have a coyote brought in one time. <laughs> like for, for an ultrasound, actually, it was, it was, uh, I think we were just checking his heart, but uh, it was this, uh, um, uh, I think she was Choctaw, but she lived on on a res uh, in Turley somewhere. And uh, apparently Kai dogs are a thing out here because there's enough genetic similarities between coyotes and dogs. You can interbreed them. Usually they cross them with like 
huskies or uh malamutes like samoyeds like any kind of like arctic kind of dog just because the size is sim- and energy is similar but you know that it's a total backyard thing so helps, like, if, it, it's, helps if it's closer to a wolf is what i'm hearing <laughs> yeah yeah in size and like fur type and stuff like that yeah um Coyotes don't have as thick a fur as wolves do, but uh, they still, because mostly coyotes live in like deserts and mountains and stuff like that. So they, uh, of course. All right. Yeah. But, but, well, but yeah, this, this Choctaw lady brought in an actual coyote. His name is Death Eater. And um, she wa- wanted to make sure he didn't have a heart murmur. I guess the uh, she wanted a Kai dog and she found some guy on the res selling what he said were Kai dog puppies. Uh, so she just bought one, sight unseen, didn't ask to see the, where the didn't ask where the mom was or anything like that. She's like, oh yeah, there's a dad right there. And it was, and it was a cut, and, and yeah, it was just a, it was a coyote. But since she had it, since he was a pup, raised it up from a puppy and got him neutered and stuff like that, he was just he's just basically a really happy, excited dog. <laughs> like yeah, he he gave us all hugs. It, it was weird, and then like he held still, like he knew sit and all that, but it was just a fucking coyote. <laughs> all right, fantastic. Let's all right, let's let's uh, let's introduce uh, my uh, my wonderful guest this uh, this fine afternoon. Uh, we're gonna be he go, he's gonna be going by uh, Gato. Is that right for this interview? Yes. All right, because we are gonna be talking about a variety of things, and some of those things are connected to his professional life. So you know, we just want to keep it on the on the professional side in that regards but um let's let's talk a little bit about uh my friend's background here uh first of all we met in college uh doing improv uh do you tell us what you remember about i mean Uh, i'll I'll blank that out gato uh well well, uh i let's see i remember well, I, I guess I should do like a quick sum up of what I was doing before I, I joined Portage Canyon Players. Um, Great. Let's, I guess let's hear that. Um, let, let, let's, I was basically just like a professional punk, basically. Like that's all I did it was just if I wasn't in class or doing my homework, I was going to punk shows and doing some things they didn't have any business doing let's say um as far as partying goes um and I kind of just lived like that for a while but then the scene started to kind of dry up a little bit like a second semester of uh my freshman year up at Kent and um so I just had nothing to do so I was just really depressed and coping with it in unhealthy ways and then i was taking uh, art of theater just to get an easy a because it was an ler for the english degree that i was trying to get and uh one day the instructor i I don't think she's there anymore but christy matthews i think was her name yeah no i remember her yeah yeah she uh, uh, stood in for a, a class one semester for me yeah, yeah. She, she was a pretty good te- teacher right, from what I remember, but that, that everything's a little fuzzy for obvious reasons. But uh, <laughs> I, I remember, I don't remember who from the group it was. I think Angie was there and maybe like Cardell Del or Mike or somebody. And I said, hey, everybody, these guys are from Porch County Players. They're doing auditions in this acting studio right next door to this classroom. If you get into the group and 
stay in the group, you don't have to take the final. <laughs> oh wow, they were giving you that much credit. Yeah. Oh, okay, I didn't realize. Yeah. How, like I knew they, I knew they were giving you guys credit, but I didn't realize it was like, hey, you don't have to take the final. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no final, which I was completely just very excited about because her tests were just, I don't know if she was just trying to keep her numbers up for a student uh, pass rate or what, but one of the questions on one of the tests was, what does a costume designer do? Like, that's what we were dealing with. So I would just show up off my face to that class and be fine. <laughs> it was not even a challenge. Like, I, one time I showed up wearing sunglasses because that's how gone I was and she didn't say anything. Nobody said anything. <laughs> that class was so weird, but uh, yeah, yeah. So like, the, like uh, two people from the group were up there, and they, I think they might have said something too. So I just went next door to do it, figuring like, hey, you know, get out of this final. And then uh, when I, I, I remember that we did three through the door, mm-hmm. yeah, which, which I had a lot of fun with. Let me do a quick, uh, let me do a quick detail for the audience for anyone who doesn't know how three through the door works. So three through the door is a, is a character based exercise that we do in improv. And I use it a lot for auditions because it helps me get uh, an idea of a person's like uh, imaginary concepts and, uh, and range, Um, which basically is uh, a person is walking through a door into a like quick stop convenience store to get what to buy some item from the silent quick stop employee who says nothing but does give them their item and so the idea is you come through the door three times each time as a brand new character so yes uh continue yeah i don't remember what that i i always really liked that exercise and i continued that practice during my ill-fated presidency (laughs) But, but uh yeah, I like that a lot. I think we did a scene too, and yeah, I, I had I, I remember I did I set up some scenes for some people to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I think mine was that oh man, like I I was either in jail or about to go to jail, and like I through the dialogue, it dem- I it was demonstrated that I had been arrested many times and knew everybody and was just gonna have an awesome time <laughs> or something like that, but like. Yeah, yeah yeah so i got and then a couple of days later like i was like yeah like i had a good time while i was doing it though i remember that like i kind of got that endorphin rush that i used to get going to shows mm-hmm. so like i really wanted to get in and uh yeah i got the call like a couple of days later while i was on my way to a punk show actually <laughs> like, i think i think i was uh in a car with a bunch of spiky haired goofballs going to akron <laughs> and I got and I and I think yeah I, I want I think it was Angie that called me or something and, and so I was confused at first it's like why why is a woman calling me this does not compute <laughs> but uh, but yeah yeah that it turned out to be like the best thing that I ever did with myself while I was at Kent State because it kept me out of that like away from bad influences that I of course ended up palling around with in the punk scene and it got me off of the stupid stuff I was doing and uh yeah I ended up staying doing improv with Forge County players and then I joined uh PNR mm-hmm. uh, a couple of years in too <laughs> yeah good times yeah, yeah. I-, I miss improv but the scene out here in Tulsa isn't that um established yet <laughs> so, and uh, i don't have the time anymore anyway so 
No, yeah. Although you did, uh, you did get into a different scene out there in Tulsa for a while. Yes. Uh, you were, uh, you got to be, uh, you got to be um, into a very um, uh, populous form of theater we call uh, <laughs> wrestling. Uh, yeah, my pro wrestling is that. Um, yeah, well, uh, story behind that. Like, I've watched wrestling since I was a little kid. I think 1997 or 98 was the first match that for some I remember seeing it on TV. Uh, I don't remember if this was the actual first match I saw or if that's just the first one I remember, but it was the it was Bret Hart versus uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin. I want to say WrestleMania. Oh man, like 14, 15? I don't know. I'm a I'm a terrible wrestling nerd. I don't have stuff like this committed to memory. But uh, you know, the one with the double turn, Bret Hart get, becomes heel. Stone Cold becomes it's it's what that's the match that launched Steve Austin into the fucking stratosphere of pro wrestling at the time. Uh, you know, he, he was split open. He was in the sharps. You're like, uh, and like, you know, I was eight years old and just like, what is this? And like, I, that was the first thing I became like obsessed with when I was a kid was pro wrestling. Like if we didn't make it back in time for, you know, uh, WWF superstars or what, Sunday night heat or whatever was on, on the one channel that we had, I would freak out. Like, <laughs> that's that's the first the first time i remember getting grounded is because uh but it sometimes the one channel we had wouldn't have wrestling on for whatever reason and for and i always seem to remember being married with children reruns or something like that like it was always just some weird like it it was the it was the u.s armed forces tv network so it was really like we picked that station up i was gonna say so was this when you were um this was when your when your family lived in in belgium yeah this was this was europe still yeah um it was like yeah like a year or two before we moved to the states but um yeah so i became obsessed with it kept watching it i stopped when i moved up to kent because i didn't have a tv but i still kept tabs on what was going on and uh then i had a bad breakup and I needed every distraction that I needed. And this would be like 2013 or something. And the WWE network was a thing. So I got way back into wrestling again. And uh, when I moved out to Tulsa, I needed a way to make friends and I needed a reason to get out of my apartment because I was going insane because I was not having any luck finding a job. Um, I was just drinking all the time and like I, that was back when drinking was still fun but it gets boring when I like I didn't even have the cat yet so like I was completely by myself just drinking all the time so like I gotta do something and so I just so I was watching wrestling and I saw Paul Heyman cut a promo and I was like I could do that <laughs> I can't wrestle but I could talk on a mic and make people boo uh type uh I type pro wrestling Tulsa pro wrestling into Google three groups popped up and I picked the one that felt right which was a little it, it's it's gone now so I can I can talk about about it uh, <laughs> compound pro wrestling on Tulsa RIP compound <laughs> but uh it, so I messaged that their Facebook page and said, like, hey, I want to be a manager. Do you guys train managers? And uh, the guy said, yeah, we can train you. You don't just get to be a manager, though. We got to teach you the business first so you can be a ref. 
So uh, three days later, I had $200 in my pocket and uh, just get and went behind this. It was a cell phone store slash pawn shop that had a garage in the back that they didn't use. And we set up our little, like it was a smaller ring. It was like 14 by 14 at biggest. It might've been smaller than that. And uh, yeah, we just, the ceiling was really low. So no top rope stuff was happening during training, but uh, you know, good enough for the basics. And that that's where I learned how the business worked was just in this sweaty little garage <laughs> behind, a, like, behind a pawn shop used cell phone store. <laughs> and um I, I stayed a ref for a while and like in hindsight I'm glad that that's how that's what my foundation was because that's how you get to like you get to learn locker room etiquette that way um you still go to training but you don't have to do as many bump drills as everybody else I still I remember I was uh I remember learning to run the ropes and the basics of taking a bump but I was really bad at it like I had a bunch of times where I almost just slammed the back of my head on the mat trying to do a back bump, which I guess I should explain. That's a, a bump is I'm going to be using uh, wrestling inside of lingo a little bit, which will might alienate anybody listening who does not like wrestling. <laughs> but uh, okay, we'll have to do a special me- episode where we just talk wrestling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Give, oh, give absolutely. And, and, now. And I can do that. But yeah, a bump is just anytime you your back makes contact with the mat or or the floor in some cases. Um, and there's a bunch of different ways you can take a bump. A back bump is just falling straight backward. And um, it, it's kind of like uh, someone pulling a carpet out from under you motion, which is a really weird thing to want to do. So your brain the entire time is like, don't, what are you doing? This is stupid. So like, and you can't, and it's really hard to shake that. And I could not do it. So I would just forget to, you're supposed to tuck your chin to your chest. So oh, yeah. That way, yeah, so that way your head doesn't make contact with the back. Yeah, of the, and do you, like, do you like, do yeah, you like, yeah, you oh, yeah. you put your arms out to uh, move the impact out so it moves outward. So that way it's not all just rattling your guts around. Yeah, no, that's an Aikido uh, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then you learn Aikido. A, yeah, I think ju- there's a lot of overlap with like judo and stuff like that with, for some pro wrestling stuff too, uh, probably because of the Japanese influence. But uh, oh, that makes sense. Too. Uh, but uh, yeah, yeah, that's it's, so. I started doing my first show was like two or three weeks after uh, I started. I was told that I would just be uh, that it was for the Halloween show and uh, compound had this tradition where they do the hardcore battle Royal. And it was just like campy. It wasn't like bloody, like bloody raise, like everybody's uh, gigging, uh, which means cutting your forehead. So you bleed. <laughs> like it was always just a big goofy, like almost sometimes it was borderline dadaist kind of stuff <laughs> like i remember uh the thing i remember best from that match is somebody had a jack-o'-lantern that because the fans brought the weapons which oh yeah. nice um you which would be everything from like a pinata to a baseball bat to jack-o'-lantern uh, somebody brought in this rocking horse once it was <laughs> A lot of computer keyboards too, like old computer keyboards where the buttons are like that 
thick. And, oh yeah, no, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. So you crack somebody with that, the keys go everywhere. Have you, visual. have you ever seen the movie? Um, oh shit, what's it called? It's like, ah, uh, oh, damn it. I forgot the movie. Wanted. You ever seen the movie Wanted? No. There's a scene where um, James McAvoy takes a keyboard and just smashes it across Chris Pratt's Chris Pratt's face, and like, which is, is like might be one of the best parts of the movie to be honest. And like the keyboard like explodes, and like the letters just you see the letters in the slow motion break off it, and they spell out "fuck you." Uh, it's <laughs> it, it might be the best part of the movie to be honest, uh, but. <laughs> But uh, it's uh, when you ref like battle royals like that, uh, you, all you do is just stand on the outside and point and go, you're out. So it's like a good first match, right? Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. Um, here's the thing, though. Right before the battle royal, uh, they had this singles match and they were supposed to start a feud between, I forget who, I want to say Paul Puerto Rico and Matt Majestic or something. I don't remember. I know Puerto Rico is one of them. Uh, but uh it, he went out for that match. There's supposed to be a spot where after the match, he runs and beats up the guy that they wanted the feud with. Uh, Paul went out too early. And uh, so the match had to be thrown out. And then when uh, Steve, who is the only other ref besides me that night, because Chance couldn't make it for whatever reason, um, he, uh, Puerto Rico like hit Steve with something. I don't remember what it was. So Steve has to, if you're a ref and a wrestler hits you with something, you are dead now. <laughs> you had like, that that's how you're supposed to sell it like there, there's some wiggle room like if they just shove you you can get back up and kind of be like what the? Um, but uh yeah if, mo if a wrestler hits you you are basically dead because you're a rep you're not a wrestler you, you're not like psychology dictates that this big giant dude hit you you're broken now <laughs> uh, so steve it was supposed to rep all of the card except the battle, including the battle royal, because I didn't know what I was doing yet. But since Paul came out too early and hit Steve, Steve has to be dead now until the main event, which was way too, which was this giant spot fest tag team turmoil thing uh, that I was in no way ready for. <laughs> so they were like, okay, Steve, you got to do the main because he's not ready for that. But sorry hey brother sorry you got to do the entire rest of the card before the main event now <laughs> first show wow. it was only like two matches but like that's still when you're expecting to just be crouching on the side of the ring and going like you're out to okay now you're gonna have to do this match or you're gonna have to re do relays and uh all, all these false finishes and distraction spots and stuff like that and, and i did it like the the wrestlers were that, that i worked with were cool uh they didn't throw too much at me and uh but, but uh that that's how i cut my teeth was just, and then the next day i got asked to go on the road to uh miami oklahoma which is like just it's like uh, this might be a little too but most people listening to this are Ohio people it's Miami is like picture Ravenna but bigger I actually might have some international listeners I, it's either that or people listen to me with a VPN sometimes 
<laughs> Who knows nowadays, right? Yeah, uh, but but, but uh, yeah, just just like yeah, this just boring little town that you get the feeling like something's a little off. <laughs> it's like just just that kind of this that kind of thing, and and I had to do the pretty much the whole card that night too. So like immediately just sink or swim, greenhorn kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, but I, but I like it. Wrestling uh, the fans were, are different for anything i was used to um you know like the music uh you know there's some like heckling here and there but mostly from people i knew um you know maybe i'd get like a empty solo cup chucked at me as like somebody trying to be funny but and then uh yeah improv the the audience is involved but it's just they give us call outs and then they just sit back and watch like they're not they don't shout at you the entire time uh (laughs) i didn't really um appreciate that as a ref because i when you're refing you have to stay focused on everything on top of that i am pretty tall so um in order to make the wrestlers look bigger i was encouraged to constantly be like crouching like you know like this hands on my knees like this and just like constantly have to stay out of the way because you never know what what moves they're going to do because they because they like most wrestlers don't plan out every single step of every match so like they'll just call stuff on the fly all the time and you can't hear them spot call like that when if like you ever see wrestlers like with with like have each other in a hold or they're like lock in a lock up or something and and like their faces are really close together they're they're talking about what they're going to do next that's fun fact that's one of the reasons why a lot of wrestlers have long hair really it's to, it's yeah. to cover up the hey okay man we're not we're gonna we're yeah gonna yeah go. it, it, co- it covers that up and then also it um it's a good visual for like if you're selling a punch or something because ah, your hair your hair and that that way the people in the cheap seats can see it flips kind of, you, no. to, yeah yeah classic the, the, that's that's one of the things that about wrestling that I don't think a lot of people appreciate. There's a lot of little things that go into it to make it like compelling to watch. And yeah, but people but like people who don't understand it or think it's stupid or just like oh, whatever fake wrestling. It's like they're, they're basically fighting and doing a play at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> and like and they have some dire- you get some direction before you go out there, but it's it's just kind of. Mm-hmm. blurted at you by a booker who's stressed out because he's trying to put a wrestling show together and you know people are late or or, or whatever and like some or somebody's like copping an attitude or an ego for no reason and he had to deal with it so so uh sometimes just real quickly like, hey, go out there like go out there this might happen okay go um it's from the refing era my favorite matches as far as like favorite matches goes because a lot of them blend together i remember uh i repped a casket match once that was that was really interesting you don't gotta do shit in a casket match since it's that's no the one DQ. where that's the one where it ends when you uh you put the person in the in the cop in the prop coffin right and close the lid yeah okay yeah the, the lid has to be closed that's like the main rule but uh, th- that that was probably my favorite match that I repped just because I didn't have to do anything. And I, it was just like, I'm just watching this pretty cool little casket match from feet away. Because <laughs> like, there's no submissions, there's no rope breaks, there's no disqualifications. Like, there's, uh, so mm-hmm. I don't have to count 
anything and i don't have to count even because this ends when somebody's closed into a casket so yeah it was great i just had to go like whoa and stuff like that when people like hit somebody with something or did something brutal which happened a lot man yeah like, yeah devil and richie killed each other out there it was awesome uh but yeah, yeah that was my favorite match but i also remember the first main event i ever worked i i got my lip split open <laughs> oh wow yeah um it was uh they were they were it was the end of the match uh this guy jonah turk i think he lives in philadelphia now and he worked for jakara for a little bit before it went under um he was wrestling our it was yeah jake o'brien yeah that was when jake o'brien was champion for like for fucking ever uh <laughs> he got they pushed that dude to the moon I, I don't even know if he's still working but uh okay he probably he probably is all right, I want to say, okay, now I'd like to uh, transition a little bit into a couple of things. Um, and let me and uh, let me just ask if, uh, well, maybe I should have asked about this one beforehand. But, um, <clears throat> so you mentioned, you, you've mentioned um, your substance use um, a couple of times now. So I just, mm-hmm. I, I would like to share with the audience uh, that you actually, um, you've been sober for a while now, right? Yes. So um, how long I... have you been sober? Um, I've been off of everything pretty much for three years now booze was the worst thing for me though that's what that's what got most out of control um but yeah uh i like one day i woke up after going out to a bar called a it's called jameson's it's like three miles south from me so like it was ubers were cheap mm-hmm. uh, and so i i just woke up the next morning and I didn't remember shit. Like I remember going to Jameson's and then nothing, just opening the door and then blackness. I don't remember shit. And and like that's scary. Like I don't remember getting home. I didn't remember how much I drank. So like I, I woke up and I felt like shit. I was in my bathtub for some reason. Um, I got up and I went into the living room and the cat was sleeping like nothing was wrong because she was used to seeing me off my face all the time at that point and apparently i i pissed in my trash can that i have out here no no memory of any of this um so you know you had they call it the uh the uh recovering alcoholic community refers to that as anxiety uh, when you're hung over and then you're anxious because you don't remember anything and you're trying to piece stuff together it's the worst so like i had to get out of the bathtub i'm sore as shit because i spent the whole entire night in the bathtub like and i'm told about hours sleeping in a bathtub like what the hell um and, and you know, I checked that luckily I could just check my bank balances go okay there i see i i tabbed out of jameson's i didn't just walk out on the tab it's like it was a little heavier than I remember than it usually was. So that's probably, I probably just got a little too excited on like whatever liquor I was into at the time. And on top of that, I drank there all the time. So like the bartender, every bartender knew me and thought I was funny or whatever. So they would just like give me some shit under the table here and there. And none of them work for that bar anymore. So I'm not jeopardizing anybody's job, but like, yeah, they would give me free shit sometimes just because I, tipped and wasn't an asshole <laughs> so that wouldn't help anything uh, um, but uh yeah, yeah so i woke up and just like i just said like i'm done now i can't do this anymore like so that, yeah i haven't had a drink since it wasn't fun but like and then during that time like i finally figured out that hey my life is at absolute like 
garbage basically i gotta fix this so i just made a list of stuff that i liked which is a short list and um none of the and all of them were things that i've been doing for years and don't really have financial stability going hand in hand with them and a lot of them were things that i would do drunk you know like playing music and uh i started going out and i mean i'm not gonna lie to you even when i was a manager back in the wrestling days i was i was hammered half the time i would go out there because it was like the like because the fans are screaming at you and it can get scary like i i would just like so i would just be off like just hammered drunk going out there cutting heel promos so the only thing left on the list that ha- that I that was animals, uh, which uh, and then like uh, and it was like I don't know what I can do with animals though, like I, it, it, because that's all science and I'm shit at science and so and then uh, when I quit drinking, I didn't have like I was sweaty after the first uh, uh day of not drinking. I woke up sweaty. But that was it. I didn't sweat anymore after that. I didn't have tr- I didn't have a DTs, you know, delirium tremens, where you're like that, yeah, yeah. like shaking all the time. Or, uh, no, yeah, no seizures, no hallucinations. Like it, it That's just, true. yeah, it was all like I felt like shit for about two weeks, where it was just like uh, just random soreness in my body, probably from my organs going like, wait, we don't have basically a constant fluid drip of wild turkey going at all times anymore what's going on with this but then after that it was all just mental shit like uh so so like that's why i went back to i ended up going back to school is because uh i was like maybe this this going for vet like the community college out here offers vet tech like some places uh four-year schools do vet tech i don't know how you would turn this into a four-year program but um yeah so i went, ended up like animals was the only option so i went to tulsa community college and up as a vet tech applicant and yeah i think i was on the wagon maybe three weeks by the time school started up so i'm not i'm back in school for the first time in years taking classes that are really difficult for me and also <laughs> detoxing and trying not to be an alcoholic anymore and somehow I did it and now I'm in my last semester of the vet tech program and I am a veterinary assistant <laughs> awesome first of all I want to just uh, congratulate you on your three years of sobriety that's fantastic um and second of all that does that does actually transition nicely into the thing that made me think, hey, this might be a great topic and a great guest to have on to talk about it. Uh, but you uh, were talking to me um, recently about your uh, work in um, what I believe you refer to as repro or uh, reproductive, yeah, repro. uh, reproductive animal things. And you, you told mm-hmm. me some alarming uh, facts about dogs that, um, like, I was always aware that, like, certain dog breeds are horrible abominations who we keep around because they're <laughs> adorable. Um, and people just love that shit. Uh, little pugs and teacup things that uh, mm-hmm. are so small, there's no reason they should be alive, uh, but are still adorable. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Um, we already talked a little bit. You, t- you mentioned someone actually, people actually have brought you coyotes. Yeah, that and- happened one time. It, just one time. But yeah, it was, it was a coyote. <laughs> nice. um, and and 
Yeah, the thing about that, that is uh, the hospital I work at or computer software doesn't have an exotics option for um, entering in what breed the patient is. Okay. So so um, the coyote was entered in as a German shepherd, I believe. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> so, so I thought it was just going to be some German shepherd coming in for heart to get his heart murmur checked. Fucking coyote. <laughs> Wow. have not seen the coyote since but uh yeah i hope, he, hope he's doing all right i'm pretty sure that that ultrasound was was a, had good news at the end i don't know but um but yeah yeah um the hospital i work at all three doctors are specialists for something and one of them is a reproductive guy so um we get people coming in for uh repro stuff from all over like even from adjacent states like uh or driving up two hours from the other side of, the, of oklahoma or something like that and um so that means mostly it's so i have and uh, those appointments require a tech just like any other appointment except i don't have to do a basic physical exam and gather a history first because they we know why they're here and they have to submit paperwork to us to <laughs> prove that they have a clean bill of health before we do this um but yeah it um Usually it entails semen analysis from the stud dog um, that, that they're trying to breed out. Um, so I've, and uh, so I have to be involved with that no matter how they do it. But uh, we, um, the way that we do it, we have this rug that has dog pheromones spread all over it. So that way they get in the mood a little bit. Um it, it it smells just horrible. I always wash my hands. Like, I, I I wash my hands like twice after I touch that thing. It's 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 thoroughly unpleasant. It's just one of those like uh, like rubber bottomed uh, mats, like you see at laundromats a lot. That's all it is, and it's just covered in dog pheromones of various sorts. Um, wow! From because. Uh, sometimes it, it, every appointment's different um sometimes the it's usually breeders that know what they're doing so uh, so like they have they bring in what's what we refer to as a teaser or a teaser bitch basically they uh they either it's their dog or it's a friend's dog that's an intact female that is in the estrus cycle so like she so, so when that happens just a lot of pheromones coming out from the and that the male dog picks up on male dog tries to mount the female dog and then uh uh we intercept the dog's uh dong with this like uh sleeve thing that has a tube attached and the dog just copulates with that and deposits a sample and then uh we can take it in the back and look at it so there's like a utility so there's like a decoy female dog (laughs) um yeah yeah so like yeah the dog thinks he's having sex with the girl dog but really he's just basically makes sense yeah yeah just and and, you know there's only one way to do it like the i i don't do that part the doctor does that part but yeah doctor just yeah and and it's the weirdest thing like the the and while this is happening this is just in an exam room that so like which so it can get really really hot in there because usually the owner likes to be in the room while this is happening um 
yeah yeah and the doctor will just be making small talk with them like it's just any other appointment and there's two dogs trying to like just and dogs are not subtle when they try to bang it is loud like they're thumping around and barking and yeah yeah so it it, just to clarify for the audience he means the temperature of the room when he says yeah the temperature of the room gets it gets really really warm and it it's and it smells horrible like after every collection appointment i have to uh deep clean the exam room down just to get the smell out oh jesus it's bad um but we make but you can charge a premium for that kind of shit because like most clinics and doctors don't do it because they think it's gross or they because that's you open the door for backyard breeders that don't know what they're doing and you have to you know deal with that (laughs) but my hospital does it so i see it all the time so speaking of irresponsible breeding uh you told me about a few different um interesting dog breeds and Mm -hmm. the uh the bizarreness that is connected with them. Uh, tell me about, uh, why don't we start with uh, the Labradoodle? Oh, the Doodles. Yeah. 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 The doodles. Oh, okay. Well, well it, uh, it's a whole strain of designer mutts now. Um, but uh, the Labradoodle was first made, like, oh man, I forget exactly when. Let me Google it real quick. It, it was in Australia, and uh, this guy uh, wanted to make a guide dog for his niece or something because she was blind, and uh, but she was also allergic to dogs. So uh, he wanted to have a dog that was hypoallergenic to minimize that, and, but also would be very trainable and smart and understand and like be able to be a working dog like that. Um, which is a really intense process. Like it, like I, it, the fail. Most dogs aren't smart enough to be <laughs> guide dogs. That's why they're so expensive. Uh, but uh, he want. But he wanted. So poodles are hypoallergenic. They don't shed, and they don't like produce a lot of dander or anything like that. So he's a. But poodles are also like fucking dumb. So <laughs> he wanted to have like a hunting kind of working dog in there. So that way it's smart and it's used to moving around and uh, tuning out distractions and focusing on whatever the hell it was bred for. So we picked Labrador because those are just retriever dogs. So like they can move around and they can focus on the one thing. I got to go find a duck that that dude just shot uh, or whatever. So uh, he combined a poodle and a Labrador and he kept trying different ones until he finally found one and you know they they look they're adorable when they're puppies they look like little teddy bears and that makes everybody all crazy um so people just started just making labradoodles without looking into the pedigree of the sire or the dam of anything or anything like just going to to the pound picking up a labrador getting a poodle and just cranking out puppies and some of them and you're supposed to use like people don't realize there's different sizes of poodles there's teacup poodles mini poodles and standard poodles standard poodles are like can be like 40 to 60 pounds and then minis are the ones that you associate in your head with poodles like the little ones with the bows and man poofy manicured hair and all that um so like and they wouldn't check that so there's some doodles that are just really small um and weird looking but uh yeah doodles are just like really loud but labradors are really loud too so you like you have to be on them from 
the time they are old enough to keep their eyes open with obedience training because if you don't labradors are just like goofy clumsy like basically chris farley in dog forms <laughs> like i'm like they're flopping all over the place jumping on you because they're so happy to see you so like it's great because you don't have to worry about the appointment being scary or taking too long but it's bad because you've got this they're big so like you got the 60 to 80 pound dog i've seen labradors that are over 90 like it's insane and then poodles like they they usually keep within that weight that weight range so they're like i've seen doodles that are like little toothpick dogs and i've seen doodles that could like fight a like a car if it had to or whatever it's so big and they're and like most people and that's and that's another thing like the doodle was bred for a specific the labrador was bred for a specific purpose to be a guide dog and that is it um so but since they're adorable and look like little teddy bears upper middle class housewives and people like that get really into them and they're not gonna do intense obedience training most of the time so like this they got this loud big dumbass curly monster fucking jumping around everywhere and the, the trend didn't stop with labradoodle like they're they're cro- there's a bunch of different doodles now there's bernadoodle which is like a bernese mountain dog crossed with a poodle <laughs> lord they're huge um then there's uh uh schnoodles people will cross standard schnauzer schnauzers with poodles you can't wow. you can't make a you can't make a cute little doodle name with a schnauzer though so that's why they just call them schnoodles um schnoodles aren't i've only seen one schnoodle though they're not that common um usually it's lab there's also aussie doodles uh which is an australian shepherd like those really like pretty looking fluffy dogs with that have blue eyes and shit like that but they're bred to herd sheep Mm -hmm. so like they're they need like three hours of exercise per day but the people that adopt dogs like that and not only adopt an Aussie, but they want an Aussie doodle. They're not going to fucking walk that dog for three hours a day. They're going to take it for a walk and then they'll just let it run around outside and, and like, don't do any obedience training. So like just tons, of, I've seen tons of doodle dogs that are just, and they're just pissing everywhere because they're so excited because they have, they've been socialized, but they haven't like learned manners yet. So they don't understand like, ah, oh, I better not piss on the floor for no reason because I'm so excited. I better and- not... Yeah, so that that's doodle dogs. Like they're not bad dogs. It's just they're so overbred and but they're so popular now that like you they cost upwards of two thousand dollars if you get a puppy. Jesus. And people and then we get clients coming in referring to them as a purebred doodle and, and I'm a purebred like the uh, Aussie doodle or whatever. And it's like there's no such thing as a purebred doodle. That's what makes it a doodle. <laughs> And isn't isn't part of the issue? Um, you told me that um, uh, poodles themselves are not in terribly bright dogs. To be yeah, with. they're 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 pretty dumb. Um, they're good. They're good dogs. Like they'll they can do basic commands. Like mini poodles tend to be a little smarter than standards. I've noticed. Um, but uh, st- yeah, they're just not particularly bright. They're not bad dogs by any means. Like I said, like they're, they're perfectly fine pets and very friendly, affable little fellas. They'll let you pet them. And like, I've never had a bad appointment with a standard poodle or a doodle. But it's just like I said, I mean, they're just not very like because because they're not meticulously bred. Like they might get the dumb gene from dumbass poodle 
parent or they might get the big burly fat gene from the other parent that they didn't screen for like average size and the genetics of it you know there's a lot that goes into breeding dogs that's why that's part of the reason why we we can charge like a premium for doing repro stuff uh, and part of the reason why those dogs are so expensive to buy like you can't go to the you can't just go to the local humane society and find a doodle like maybe if there's like a hoarding situation going on you might find one but usually you're on the, the internet with the breeder putting on down payment on a house for a puppy like yeah. uh, so let me so let me ask though because i know that breeding is a very controversial topic in in, mm -hmm. in animal circles uh, what, where do you stand on, uh, on dog breeding? Like in general, I mean, um, there's... Do, you, do you mean like a purebred stuff? Like as a, as a practice in of itself, it's fine. Like, you know, that's that, like, uh, that's how purebred dogs became a thing. And, and like, there's, I, we have plenty of breeder clients. In fact, most of our breeder clients that we see at my, at my job are great. Like they're, they've got, they've got credits from like AKC, like they've got, land and they do all this intense training especially for like people that are being like german shepherds and stuff like that where you have to do that because they just need so much mental stimulation or they will destroy everything you own um and also they're big like german shepherds big. But, so uh so part of sorry part of what people uh say they don't like about breeders is that they would encourage you to adopt um, at, uh, dogs that are already in the world and already mm -hmm. need love from, uh, from like yeah, shelters. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. From uh, that kind of standpoint. Um, I mean, some people get those purebred dogs because they need them for that purpose. Still. That's, like, fair. Yeah. that's so, fair. So that's why I think the practice is fine. Like, you know, like police dogs like are necessary. And so like shepherds in Belgian, uh, Malinois, Malinois, like the, the, like breeds like that, like that's like I'm okay with that. And then some people like just they want to get into the dog show circuit, and you can't get into dog show circuit with like uh, just so, like a pit bull mix you got at the ASP, at the SPCA, you know. So like okay. that, so I, I'm fine with that. And like those dogs that are bred in that circles also need homes. But uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, I feel like. Um, the average person, though. The average person it just it, it's not their fault it's just because they don't know this kind of stuff so they so like they'll go to like either like sh like shitty little pet stores and get like an whatever like anemic little purebred puppy they got from a mill which is a whole other thing mm -hmm. i assume um, i assume i assume we're not i assume you're not pro puppy mill no no i've seen mill dogs are just it's really sad um the the you're supposed to wait like you're supposed to be a recovery period after uh after a bitch has a letter and uh those those uh uh mills do not care it's like they'll wait for it to heal up after they get it after the well after whelping and then just immediately okay get back in there oh uh yeah yeah so like i've seen rescue situations from like there's tons of mills in oklahoma like hoarding situations in mills like it seems like every other month there's a there's like some hoarding situation that the police break up and then we potentially see some of them um but uh yeah yeah puppy mills are bad like i'm not against uh pure breeding it's just uh, if you just have to have a purebred dog go to a reputable breeder because like if a rep it like do your like homework on it 
um, make sure that it's good, like ask around. There's plenty of like uh, uh, forums for people that are into dogs. They're dogs, like, you know, people like dogs. There's gonna be internet sites about it. There's plenty of reputable sites like that that you can go to to ask around for good breeders because usually people who want good breeders are, will pay whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, yeah, like honestly, I would prefer shelter stuff though, just because I've spent time in shelters and the dogs that we work with at, at uh, my school all come from an animal welfare welfare services. So like, and they're just such good dogs most of the time. So like, I, I just kind of leave it up to the person. Me personally, I would prefer go. I I'm not gonna go to a breeder ever. I mean, like any any animal I adopt is gonna come from a shelter. So basically, you you would agree that. The average person should be adopting from a shelter, but you recognize, yeah, yeah, just just complex because of nature, the, yeah, just of, because of the because it's for one, it's more affordable, and the dogs are just as good, mm-hmm. like if, if not better than some of the purebred dogs. You don't have to like the application process for a good breeder. It takes you months. Like you have to get on a list and all that. So like you know, like it's just like so much uh, uh, red tape you got to go through to get from a get from like a professional reputable breeder like you're gonna like it's it's you're sinking thousands of dollars into getting that dog there's an application fee then they have to screen your application and then if they decide they like you it varies from breeder to breeder but some of them want to meet you and then they want to see where you live uh because some breeds do better with if they've got a couple at least a couple acres to run around in like you, you know if you're getting something like a uh, German Shepherd or uh, Samoyed or something like that. Those are not good apartment dogs. Like, it's a, or a cat, or, or like, uh, you know, this being the Mid South E region, you know, we got the Ozarks really close by. Appalachia is not that far away. People are really into hounds out here. Um, so, like, and those dogs need land too because they're hunting dogs and they're loud, rowdy goofballs and they need run around a little bit if you're not and be able to have access to that if you're not home um so like that's that's part of the reason for the home visits and all that it's just but like there might be fees with that even and then after that like some breeders on top of that like the one of the german shepherd people we've got they have like they call it puppy day and that's when you go and you see the puppy that you have paid for you don't get to take it home yet because they they because like some breeders do intense obedience training so by the time you take that dog home it is you're, you're good wow which they can charge more money for that way uh it's so, so like yeah capitalism comes into play a lot for these kind of things so that's another reason why it's good to just go to a go to a shelter because like yeah they're you know they might have the sniffles a little bit for a week but you know a bunch of antibiotics it'll be fine and like they you know what you're getting immediately because most of the dogs in shelters are adults um it's not like pup because puppies like they're like kids you don't know what what they're gonna be like when they grow up maybe they'll be a perfectly fine person but they might be an asshole you never know true true <laughs> now, uh, all right so now i want to um so one of the one of the other interesting things you talked to me and you had to when we talked about this previously you had to you, you had to draw a diagram to, uh, <laughs> yeah, the, oh the bull the bully breed thing yeah talk to me about um bully breeds and like sort of where those where those come from Okay, uh, so everybody knows what, like, a dog that everyone calls a pit bull. Everybody has this picture in their head. But um, the dogs that people call pit bulls 
are technically called pit bull terriers or PBTs. If you're like a aficionado of pit bull terriers, uh, you, you might use that. But there's also other breeds like the the bully like that breed is a spectrum of breeds that are all under the same umbrella, and they all like breeders mix them together just to see if they like kind of kind of cool badass looking dog they can get, you know? Because even pit bull like pit bulls, PBTs, and like so I guess I'll just make a list like list things out again. Uh, the ancestors to the bully breeds. Um, Little, little little fun fact here uh they're, they're descended from a breed of dog that was bred specifically for really really messed up like blood sports basically um they there there's rat pit which is where you put a dog in a pit with a bunch of angry pissed off hungry rats and then you bet on whether the dog is going to be alive at the end or whether the rats are going to all be, are going to be alive at the end of it like this is all back like elizabethan england like it, it's brought up in shakespeare plays like rat pit and stuff like that oh, yeah. um and then there's a bull pit and that's when you put a dog in with a bull and you make them fight and you bet on who wins and then there's also i've also heard that in uh continental europe there was bear pit where you have a dog and a bear how big a of a dog would you have to to breed to take on a bear or a bull um the breeds like uh that were bred for that were uh there's germany had one called the bullbeiser which is just german for bull biter um oh, and the bullbeiser is um the common ancestor for like boxers are descended from bullbeisers um and then some bully breeds, I think Staffordshire's or something, are are descended from that too. But uh, and then in England, you had the bull terrier and the pit terrier. Like they were two separate things. And like I, I imagine that the bull terrier is probably the bigger of the two because you know you got to be a little lower than the ground to fight rats. Like, <laughs> um, but the, those breeds aren't around anymore since uh they back then like you know breeding dogs has been like a hobby too for a long time so that's where we get a lot of like the toy breed and stuff like that from like rich people would just try to make a dog that looked weird just to see what would happen like just capitalism yeah so even back then yeah even yeah like victorian england era capitalism type stuff going on that like yeah yeah so that's where we get like pugs and shih tzus and stuff like that that's that's a whole other thing toy breeds are a whole other thing but uh they so but the people who were like having terriers and stuff they were just you know white trash dumbasses like hey let's make my dog fuck your dog and then we can make like a dog that can fight rats and cows (laughs) and that's how the pit terrier the bull terrier and the bull bicer were basically bred out of existence um and now yeah breeds like boxers uh pipple terriers american staffordshire terriers um uh bulldogs that's an uh are descended from this too and there's a bunch and then there's uh also uh different like uh, there's a like american bulldogs uh you know those dogs that you see in like guy Ritchie movies and the guy walking it it's almost always a skinhead dude with acid wash jeans yeah yeah those are called bull terriers now but it's not the same as the other it's not ones. the same as the ones that actually yeah, yeah. The bulls. yeah they're de- yeah they're descended from that but they're not that for all intents and purposes they are now but no, they're good dogs too i've seen a couple of those yeah no, totally but, um, uh, 
But, so like that but, is that is one of the things yeah. though is that even though like historically these are animals that were that were bred um, to fight, they mm-hmm. they actually are like friendly dogs. They're just yeah yeah. Um, the the uh, there's been some progress with the demon uh, the alleviation of the demonization of an entire spectrum of dog breeds, um, specifically pit bull terriers and uh, bully and in bullies which we'll get to in a second. Um, but uh, the bully breeds are just anything that's descended from bull bisers, pit terriers, bull terriers, um, which covers, which now covers, uh, boxers aren't included in this anymore because now boxers are just so docile. They're not going to do that anymore. But, uh, uh, you know, your Staffordshire's, your PBT's, your um, bull terrier, your modern bull terriers and stuff like that. Uh, they have, they just have a lot of energy and, um they're owner protective and do- and uh some of them can be dog aggressive but that's linked usually linked to their uh owner protectiveness uh but yeah pitbulls like breeds like that aren't inherently mean or aggressive though um, i read a oh, i read a study once that said that like uh generally speaking like an above average amount of pitbulls succeed on um uh, what is it? There's like some type of uh, aggression test. Mm-hmm. It's like it's like over eighty percent of pit bulls um, pass this test and yeah. are technically considered non-aggressive or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like if you, the reason that pit bulls got that reputation is because of dog fighting rights mm-hmm. um, and and other bully breeds too. Um, but the way that you have to raise a dog to be like that, like it starts when they're puppies. So like that, there's tons and like fight dog fight rings are still a problem in a lot of places. Um, there there has been activity of that near to where I live, but not like directly like in my backyard or something like that. But uh, th- you basically have to just like constantly encourage them to be aggressive. Uh, they never stop. Like uh, dogs nip like playfully when they're puppies, but you train you're supposed to train them to stop doing that. They don't make them stop. In fact, they encourage it um if they're raising them to be dogfight dogs and then uh the, the, the whole dogfight thing it's just really fucked up like they'll chain them to this apparatus where they can just run laps um they That's have like they, to build their muscles right build their muscle up they feed them with just an ass load of protein like uh even though dogfighting isn't like uh dogfighting is not cool anymore and it's like a really under shitty underground thing now um there are still people like that are reputable breeders that jack their dogs up like that for guard dog purposes and because people think it looks cool because they've seen them in like uh you know the, the dmx used to have them in his videos all the time like um so like there's like, like those really yeah those really squat like yeah those are yeah, usually Ameri- those are usually american bullies that you see in music videos like that um american bullies are a any combination of pitbull terrier staffordshire and uh any kind of like bulldog hmm. um so so there's like a really weird weight range with them because some of them are just bred are bred with like american bulldogs or bull terrier or like the modern english bull terriers but some of them are just english bulldogs like those you know squatty little potatoes that can't fucking breathe like <laughs> so like every now and again you see this big jacked like really low to the ground awkward dog and it's just like you don't like it just doesn't look like that like normal at all like it, it, and like it, like yeah these dogs look like 
wrestlers from the 80s are jacked um <laughs> but they're still like really friend but if they're raised right and that's all you do is just make them build up muscle like they're still good dogs they just look scary and a lot of people just want to have a scary looking dog for some reason um but uh is it is it true that the part of the thing that makes the pit bull intimidating is that it has a jaw that locks until it uh closes all the way or something like that their uh occlusion is not that much different from other dogs like that whole mandible strength is stronger than every other dog thing that's a myth it's the same as it's the same as any other dog in their size range like they got more i mean they got more mandible psi than like a teacup yorkie or something or a cat or something but um but it's not any more or any less than any other dog in the uh 60 to 80 pound rate right weight range uh that that's a common misconception that some backyarder probably made up to when he was selling pitbull puppies um like i said pitbulls are really nice dogs like and like then and uh they're real they're really sweet and excited and they're good family dogs that's that's uh uh one of the things that people use them for was like uh, they called in england they used to call them nanny dogs because like they would be really protective of babies oh um it, it and also i've noticed that just from uh fa- like sometimes whole families will come into appointments so there will be kids in the room too i've noticed big bigger dogs like 40 pounds and up tend to be a lot more patient with little kids than smaller than smaller dogs like my dog <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it's it, like uh, i i think it's because they real they I don't know. My theory is like uh, people that are related smell similar to dogs. So like bigger dogs understand like, this is my, my brother, whatever. And like, so, so they, and they go, I have to protect him though. <laughs> because I, so like, cause they like imprint on the kids a little bit. If, if uh, they're around them from the time that they were, the kid was born uh so like yeah like that's why it, it makes me sad when i see what i hear about like i mean we're, tulsa where i'm at like nobody pitbulls are so popular out here there are tons of pitbulls so like I, so i see them all the time and just yeah i've never had a bad i've never had a terrible appointment with a pitbull i should say i've had some bad ones just because you know they get nervous just like any other dog or sometimes when they come to a vet but uh but yeah, um, the whole bully breed thing, it's all capitalism now for the most part. I mean, you can find bully breeds at uh, shelters now just because they're so popular. And uh, and another popular like uh, thing is making pit bulls breed with different dogs. Like, I'm, And usually like they're, and they're all perfectly fine dogs too. Like, so that's, so yeah, it does. So it, it makes me like very sad that uh, bully breeds get picked on but a lot of people who uh, but the thing about bully breeds like any other dog that was bred for a purpose that was involved physicality you have to walk them all the time you got to give them mental stimulation or they'll go insane and that that can be a cause of aggression is just being bored um lack of exercise is another thing it's a big problem out, out especially out here like uh, I've realized that a lot of people, when they get dogs that are that big, like they're going to see a squirrel or they're going to smell another dog and they might get a little excited and want to go chase it because they might have a prey drive a little bit, depending on what their genetic makeup is. Uh, but people won't want to, since they're so strong, 
Like a lot of people don't want to get pulled around, yanked around by a dog all day since, and you know, this is, uh, so they just let them run around in the yard, which they'll get exercise that way, but their world is like just that big at that point. So like all they know is just the house in the backyard. That's it. And the only time, and usually people like that, the only time the dog leaves the house is when the dog goes to the vet dog is terrified because holy shit, there's places outside the house and backyard. And then we're going to a place where maybe they smell animal fear in the air, maybe, or maybe they smell other dogs around and they're not used to seeing other dogs. Because they're like, in the backyard. So uh, we, we have had some repro. I have done helped uh, restrain for progesterone screenings. That's like the, that's uh, when uh, the, the, uh, female dog that they're trying to breed they bring them in and uh, we just take a blood sample from them usually from their neck because it's easiest and uh then we send that in and they get the progesterone levels read and then depending on what that number is that's like okay optimal time to either surgically or artificially or naturally impregnate this dog is now because progesterone levels are just right at the spot um but uh we 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 have uh there's this there's this one lady that comes in she's got two back like clearly backyard produced bullies and they're low to the ground muscly ones so like there's some so there's probably some english bulldog in there and uh that's what she does she's just, they're in the house or they're in the backyard because she doesn't want to walk them she's busy like i i do not like that lady i really wish i could put her on blast right now but i can't <laughs> <laughs> yeah probably not <laughs> no, let's not go that far she um, seems like she seems like she would sue but uh she uh but yeah that's what she would do to these dogs that need so like she doesn't like she she keeps them just in the backyard or in her house because she doesn't want to walk them because they're too strong and she doesn't want to put up with it or and the only time they leave the house would be to come to us to have a needle stuck in their neck <laughs> to get a blood drawn and, and uh so, so oh man so like this dog would just be terrified when she came in pissing everywhere and then eventually like after the and but they have to keep coming back until the levels are in the right spot and that's like a, every other day at seven or eight in the morning so that way we can get it to the lab that checks that checks that for us it's, uh it's like seven eight in the morning they gotta come in so it's really early and so it'll be the first thing of the day when she would come in, just this dog and the dog try, almost bit my face off when I knelt down to restrain her and try to like hold her head up so we can jab a needle in her neck to get the blood sample. Um, so that was scary. And we, and so, so uh, we like, okay, well maybe that was just a one-time thing. We'll have, we'll, you know, suggest maybe get the, a prescription for trazodone just for this, give the dog some trazodone, which is a, uh, it's a uh, uh, sedative that we give. It's it's really mild. It it just calms them down a little bit. Like people get people get trazodone for like Fourth yeah. of July. Oh, um, that makes sense. Yeah, or like car trips and stuff. 
but uh and then the dog lunged at one of the dot at the doc uh the doctor that does repro stuff and and basically at that point we uh, we are within our rights to refuse service to a patient if our safety is at risk and our safety is at risk with that lady and her dogs and that became a whole thing it's just like you can still be a patient here and bring them in for stuff but we're not doing repro for you anymore because this keeps happening and no matter how much trazodone we give your dog it keeps trying to murder gato basically so that's a lot yeah it's, it is a lot and then like a lot of people like who want a lot of people buy dogs like bullies or whatever pop or doodles or whatever uh they want to get in it for purely for financial gain um like uh they i they like the breed in as much as they want to breed it professionally and you have to own a few like to be a breeder that makes any kind of money you gotta have at least two like two bitches and two uh studs or else like what are you even doing you know mm-hmm. um the most common like uh most commonly it's bully breeds french bulldogs which aren't a bully breed at all <laughs> they're a poser bully breed yeah yeah, yeah, they, they, bully um, breed of France? yeah, yeah the, french bulldogs were bred specifically to be pets so like they, they're not like there's no ulterior motive in their breeding at all so like they, they don't they're not they, they don't count but uh yeah I, i've had people like come in for uh appointments to get their dog screened for breeding capability or to, as a pregnancy check to see how her uh uh gestation's going and all that and immediately the first question they'll ask is when can i so when can i sell the puppies when they're born oh gross. Like they'll open with that it's just like oh okay so this is just just about long just for you okay your capitalism <laughs> i want to jump back just that french bulldog because i'm just so what mm-hmm. you're telling me is the french bulldog is a lover not a fighter Yes, they are. I don't know if you've ever, I don't know if you've ever, which is kind of pretty fun, but uh, I don't know if you've ever seen a French Bulldog before. Uh, probably. I don't know them all by name. They're, they're, um, they're really small. They like usually oh. cap out about 15 to 20 pounds. Uh, they're, they, they have what we call a, uh, a brachycephalic head shape, which means like any dog with a smushed in face. Like, uh, so uh. pugs, uh, English Bulldogs, um, yeah, like any any breed that you can think of that is uh, uh, synonymous with having breathing issues, it's probably a breathing dog. Uh, Speaking of dogs with breathing issues, I do want to yeah. ask you about um, now. Is it the British or the English bulldog whose dicks don't work? Um, that's an English bulldog thing. The English there, there's English. I, I learned this uh, recently. There's English bulldogs, which is just what you think of when you think of a bulldog. You know, smushed up face or just you know potatoes and legs basically and then there's old english bulldogs it's like an e after the old that's actually an american breed <laughs> um, ironic and they're just like a little bigger and a little more squat though like that, that's about it they're basically it, to the untrained eye they're similar but if you've seen them both enough you can tell the difference uh that's but yeah, yeah, I I don't know for sure about old English bulldogs, but yeah, English bulldogs are the ones that are like mostly impotent and any and uh because because like bulldogs are so popular, there's a lot of like people don't get like that they don't give a shit. Like it's all capitalism, just like so there's a lot of inbreeding going on. Like I've heard some stomach turning stuff of of like uh like a backyard uh uh 
bitch having to like have kids with one of her her puppies when they grew up it's it's, it's it's bad it's really gross but like you know dogs don't have that they don't have that rationale yeah but you're still supposed to like prevent that because the dogs will you know it's like inbreeding with people if you inbreed like they come out weird <laughs> yeah. but so like my understanding is is that like um from what you were telling me before is that essentially they they're born uh largely impotent and yeah largely um, impotent um they're they uh, english bulldogs are like money pits basically um they're they're fun they're funny i get it like they're funny dogs like i I always have a good time when i get to work with them and there are healthy like if you get them from a reputable breeder they have less of these bad things but like most bulldogs that you're going to see are really messed up like uh they are prone to uh hyperluxating patellas which okay. means their knees just pop out of place all the time. Oof. Um, it's not as bad for dogs since they have to keep their legs extended. The, the dog knee works a different way than our than human knees do. Um, so it pops back into place easier, but it, it just keeps doing that. There's a chance that you're, you're going to tear the tendons and ligaments around the kneecap. So uh, what happens is most bulldogs need what we call TPLO surgery which is like the dog equivalent of getting your ACL fixed um, because their knees pop out so much. It's just constantly fraying that away. Um, and there's like plates and screws involved in stuff. It's an eight week recovery process. It costs upwards of $1,200 to get it done. And it's pretty much not guaranteed, but it's very likely that if you get an English bulldog, you're going to have to pay for at least one TPLO surgery, if not two. Whew. Oh, and then sorry. also and then another thing about uh this isn't just bulldogs but uh, small breed dogs also um get this problem but since there's their faces are so small they still have 42 teeth like every other dog but they ha- it ha- the teeth have less space to grow so they get impacted a lot or uh break off or just die because the tooth root isn't getting enough blood flow so another thing is if you get a bulldog or a pug or anything like that you're probably also going to have to pay to get teeth extracted at some point it's just going to happen teeth extractions aren't as crazily expensive as tplo surgeries but like it's still like a lot and because your dog's on because that shit takes hours not like two hours, two, three hours, depending on how many extractions have to be done. So like you're paying, that's ha- most of what you're paying for when you're getting billed for a surgery is anesthesia. Makes sense. Hold uh, on, I'm going to take a quick break here because I need to use the lavatory. Okay, that's cool. All right, so, um, so but I just, I just want to make sure I understood this properly about the, uh, the English bulldog. Okay. Uh, if I am, if I am understanding this correctly, um, they we this is a breed of dog that is mm-hmm. only perpetuated via a form of artificial insemination is that correct yes since they're so popular um that uh, and you don't have to be a professional breeder you do not have to have any accreditations you just have to like have the name of your business registered with the state for tax purposes and there's even and, you know it's, it's, yeah. Uh, the the government where i'm at is not too terribly there's like no regulations you can have a tiger for a pet out here um 
you just have to like tell the state you have a tiger because if your tiger gets out and they find out it's your tiger you're subject to six months in jail or something like that um but uh, yes yeah, since uh this kid is doing some time in jail for that tiger again <laughs> yeah he's really and, gonna and start telling the state yeah and if, and if you think we're bad texas is even worse like texas has the highest rate of tigers getting out and attacking people in the country apparently because like it's usually drug dealers by tigers. I'm not going let the, I'm not letting the government tell me I can't have a tiger. This is America. <laughs> but, but yeah, uh, it, but yeah, since uh, there's no really regulations that are easily enforced about breeding, there's tons of just shitty what we refer to as backyard breeders. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them are fine. Like there's like some of them are just starting out and they're in the process of getting their accreditations and being legitimate as possible and all that. But other ones, it's just like, yeah, I got a dog and I don't want to get it fixed. Might as well make some money off of it. Yeah. Um, so bulldogs is one of those. And people who do that, they Google what dogs are most popular. And English bulldogs have been in the top five for like 20 something years now. Wow. So uh, maybe more. Like I might be misremembering that, but because there's, it almost actually would almost have to be with all the problems they got now. But uh, because they're not reputable breeders, they're not looking. They're not networking with other reputable breeders for, you know, semen exchange, which is a whole other business that I have learned about. Um, We store the semen in liquid liquid nitrogen and wait until the age. We've I I remember a couple months ago we shipped some Labrador sperm off to Australia. Wow. Um, and we and we keep it in house in the liquid nitrogen, and then the people come pick it up whenever they come pick it up, and it goes out to Australia or wherever it's going. Um, it, and that in a, that's another way people make money. Like they don't even actually make puppies; they just make their dog a sperm donor and charge out the ass for it, depending on how how uh, nice their uh, uh, pedigree is. But uh, because English bulldogs are so popular, backyard breeders started making English bulldogs too. And they kept doing that and not checking in and just not checking to see if the bulldog had uh, breed specific health issues like uh, brachycephalic face syndrome, uh, uh no, brachycephalic airway syndrome it's which is related to its face like the the airways are so narrow that the dog is never not panting um it's not inherently fatal but the, those the dogs that have it, it is somewhat treatable but um it's not you don't have a completely healthy dog and it's not good to breed it if it has stuff like that and you know heart problems that's another thing like uh murmurs are very common in english bulldogs um mitral valve deficiencies uh high blood pressure so hypertension is the medical term for that so so like they're very prone to just like having a heart attack and keeling over at any time because like nobody checked it they just wanted to purely for capitalistic reasons they just kept cranking out bulldogs and it's gotten to the extent that um the female english bulldogs uh birth canal is incredibly narrow it's so narrow that they cannot whelp naturally anymore because of all this just unregulated breeding going on which entails inbreeding and uh perpetuation of recessive traits that are unhealthy uh so the, and so the female dogs are birth canals only narrow so they can't push the do- baby out through it or they'll or they'll die or the baby will die 
Um, their fallopian tubes are really narrow. Their ovaries are smaller than they usually are, I think. And uh, the male dogs are by and large impotent. Like they, 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 they like they have, uh, they have problems getting an erection. Uh, they, it, it, some of them can, and they can produce and any, but uh, usually if you want to get semen out of a bulldog, you have to extract it surgically, which means cutting into the scrotum and extracting the semen that way um yeah and then uh and then you have to implant so you're it telling me they too. don't even they don't even like jack these dogs off they just they have to go um, in they, they can't they they try to first to see oh. because it's like some bulldogs are capable of producing a sperm sample it's just it takes a long time and the motility is just fucked like uh the worse the motility is, the less likely the sperm cell is going to make it up to the egg. For, let's, so, uh, for the people who, who might not know, what does the word motility mean? That means uh, the, how physically active and virile these sperm cells are. How much, And uh, then there's uh, volume, uh, which means how many sperm cells are in dog load, basically. Um, bulldogs have very low sperm count, usually wow which is another issue so Um, what what i'm hearing is that english bulldogs only exist because of the capitalistic demand for them and without human intervention (laughs) they would not exist and that probably not anymore the breed that they're descended from was rel aside from uh issues with uh brachycephalic airway syndrome and maybe some joint problems was by and large a perfectly healthy dog but because english bulldogs got so popular because like they have that so ugly it's cute thing going like pugs that they just got bred and bred specifically for monetary reasons and now they are what they are the impotent skinny urethral urethral narrow being too narrow that's another thing that happens with bulldogs a lot it's not i i don't want to give off the impression that only bulldogs are affected this way because there's plenty of breeds that are um but uh it's just mostly bulldogs they're the most notorious for it um so like i said like the only way you can make bulldogs so this kind of helps in a way though um cut down on the backyarder problem because oh because they can't do it on their own yeah because so you have to have money because all of this stuff everything in repro is all considered elective procedures so that's why we're allowed to refuse service to somebody because it doesn't violate Uh, any animal rights act uh doesn't animate the or uh it doesn't violate the veterinary version of the hippocratic oath because it's elective like the dog's not gonna die if you don't jack them off into a tube you know <laughs> so you so don't know like, that my dog needs jacked <laughs> off in the tube there are some people who personify their dogs to the extent that that's why they don't get them fixed it's only guys it's never women that do this unless they're professional breeders but God, there's t- especially in in out in like areas of town like i'm in they're like people are like my dog is like me he's a guy and he likes pussy so i don't want i wouldn't want to cut my balls off so why would i do that to my dog because humans don't have as many problems as dogs do and humans understand it's not okay to be a horny asshole all of the time they at least suppress it a little bit (laughs) 
Good. The dog doesn't know. He's just like, I'm fucking horny. I'm going to be an asshole about it and get erections for no reason. I'm a dog. Um, but but yeah, so that so the fact that bulldogs cannot do that anymore is kind of helping the the backyard breeding problem. Now backyarders usually do like pit bulls or like any kind of American bullies or uh, French bulldogs is starting because French bulldogs somehow can. I don't I don't know. It's only a matter of time before they can either because they're super fucking popular now. Um, but uh, yeah, the only way you can make puppies for that is to extract the, for them is to extract the semen from the male and then um there's three different methods to impregnate a female there's natural insemination which just means you let the dogs fuck um then there's uh artificial insemination which means little little man sample goes into a tube you put it put that into a pipette you lift up the girl dog's tail lift her up on until she's like doing a headstand and then squeeze it in there and then keep her upright for like a minute and a half or something like that to increase the likelihood that the uh, sperm makes it to the egg and sticks. Um, or there's surgical insemination, which is we, it's like same cut you'd make for spay, but instead of removing the ovaries and all, and all that, you just take a syringe and just inject the sperm directly into the ovaries when their progesterone levels are at the optimal level and that has like a 95 percent success rate i I, one of the 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 doctor told me about that when i back when i was an intern and uh but it's that so that's the and uh but that's the only way like if you're so i'm thinking that's probably the, the surgically inseminating a dog is the only way you can get bulldogs because like because artificial insemination would raise the chances since uh you, it's going directly to it too sort of but the motility and the volume is such an issue that it's not as common um there's also um camera assisted uh ai where like you put like i've only i've only assisted with this once but basically it's like a camera scope thing like not exactly like but akin to the camera thing that the doctor shoves up you when you get a colonoscopy it's like that but it's smaller and more bendable and stuff like that so you can see that so you can make sure like for absolutely sure you were getting the squirting the sperm near the thing um it's really interesting to see it wasn't with a bulldog that we did it it was one of those uh uh rarer breeds in that aren't as common in the states so like uh, it, it i want to say it was like maybe a burgundy picard, uh, picard or something like that okay um yeah the lady shipped sperm in from poland <laughs> to Dang. do that yeah it, which costs thousands of dollars by the way because oh, it because you have to keep it cold so that means the packaging has to be right most uh courier services don't ship that so so like you have to find one that doesn't either doesn't care or is designed specifically for that and they're going to charge you because hey. it's not so but uh but yeah that's that's how uh uh, uh breeding is both a fine thing and uh not so fine thing in the case of bulldogs and pugs and to a lesser extent dachshunds <laughs> oh. okay well that's well that pretty much that uh yeah 
that yeah, yeah yeah we we could i could do i i could talk about stuff like this like veterinary stuff forever but uh, i think that fit, wraps up our mm-hmm. dogs who shouldn't exist <laughs> shouldn't exist but do yeah it's no deep. it's purely because people think they're cute <laughs> frequently these dogs are both an affront to god and science <laughs> sometimes man i mean honestly as as fucked up as english bulldogs are the fact that they're still around like you know like if they were really fucked up they wouldn't make it but three or four years but not like if you take care of your english bulldog and they don't have too many health problems they can make it to like eight nine maybe ten i've seen i've seen a bulldog that was like 13 wasn't doing so hot but (laughs) still alive well, got it. Well, you gotta, you got, you gotta hand it to them. They want, even though they're an abomination, they want to live. That's the... yeah, yeah, yeah. And the people, and and by that same token, uh, the people that are willing to pay so much money for them uh, usually really, really care about how healthy their dogs are. Like, I, 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 there's not a whole lot of eh, fuck it people that own English bulldogs. They are on it. Like they take notes. <laughs> I love this dog so much. I will be okay when he does the equivalent of die in his late forties. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, ba- ba- basically, yeah. Um, but yeah, that's that. Uh, that's uh, and, and this is all stuff that I probably would not know if I didn't just by complete happenstance end up at a clinic that special that has a doctor that specializes in this kind of shit. All right, excellent. Well, anyways, uh, thank you for joining us here today. Um, normally, I would ask if you had anything you wanted to promote, uh, but uh... Um, I actually um, oh, yeah? I, I am going like uh, I am looking around at studios to just make one more folk punk album. I, I don't know if we awesome. touched on that that they do folk punk. I, no, I, I would also I would love like I would actually love to have you back on sometime just to talk about punk. Oh, absolutely! Uh, yeah, yeah, we could get and, punk. Uh, we could do a wrestling episode. Like, I got, I got stories. Man. I, I meant to be like, I, I'm actually, you know, before we go, I just want I, for for perspective for some of the audience because I know, like, whenever I'm on Facebook, I see a lot of punk posts, and I'm like, okay, I can see, I can see what kind of punk music you're into, but like, just so people know, like, when when we say that you listen to punk, like, what are what are bands that let like come to uh, you would you would want people to know are part of like your punk uh what uh, as far as like influences yeah well, like, like who like, do you listen uh, to like what kind of what kind of punk bands do you like um lately uh i mean i have my favorites that are like big like bigger kind of bands like uh rancid uh, the dead boys that's another very important band for me um they're they're, they're from cleveland actually um you know ramones you know like, i i like all like the you know super punk kind of bands that you could that like have just entirely too many documentaries made about them <laughs> and stuff like that but lately i've been getting into bands from youtube channels oh wow okay um there there is a youtube the one that i uh like the most it's it's called grind war channel and it's this guy i don't know where he's at uh i want to say he's in europe somewhere but he gets shit sent to him or bands send him links to their band camp pages and he puts albums and EPs up on the YouTube channel and he puts up new stuff every week That's and it's from cool. all and it's 
covering every tiny little subgenre of punk you can think of, like crust, DB, um, power violence, uh, hard, just regular 80s style hardcore, like, like, it, it, from all over the world. Like uh, the bands that I've been listening to lately, as far as like a plugged in electric kind of stand, like uh, ang- like that kind of stuff, kind of standpoint. Um, there is this band called uh, Carradine Choke <laughs> out in New Zealand that I'm getting very into, um, th- th- and uh, and a lot like uh, a lot of the stuff on Grind War, like their bands have been broken up for ten years, but no, but nobody heard about them outside of their circle. So I've gotten so many good, like I I actually have iTunes on my computer still, so that way I can. Because usually, since they're punk bands, they have their stuff up for free. Your name, your price. Right. So, like, yeah, I have tons of stuff, just like you know, like crust punk, black metal, like hardcore. But yeah, Carradine, uh, Carradine Choke is is really good. There's another band called uh, oh, they're, they're, they're Sad that I'm really into. Now they broke up a while ago, but they're a hardcore band from LA. That like their album is like somehow this thematic masterpiece and it's just hardcore punk but okay it's it's uh, yeah it's still like yeah sad and carotene choke are my favorites now also honorable mention to conjoined twin uh out in los angeles they throw some jazz influence in there which nice. is pretty cool yeah like uh kind of like uh, uh rollins era black flag when they were getting really experimental so uh, that's where I get all my punk now is from grind right. war and just stuff I see on social media. I think that I think they should give our my audience a a decent idea of what type of punk music. Uh, yeah, yeah. Rock, I, I, li- I like I like angry st- I like angry stuff with bad sound quality is usually what I gravitate toward these days. Okay. <laughs> all right, all right. Well, thank you for being here, and uh, just remind uh, our audience to uh, stay tuned for the the after entertainment. Si, si, senor. My name, Abuela Sullivan. What? The coyote, you still, I thought I told you we would not see the coyote for reproductive purposes with your pug too. As you put it in the online booking for your appointment, make a coyote pug hybrid. No, see, I, Abuela Sullivan, this new coyote. No, no, see, si, no habla inglés, yes. No habla, no, no hablas inglés. No habla inglés, doggy. Uh, in uh, el carrier. Podemos continuar en español si prefieres. Sí, cómo estás, el audio técnica. I'm going to go to, I I, I see myself out. 